episode 294 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to make them, how to get them made and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson, and this has pretty much become the Giles Alderson platform for his films coming out. Apologies for that. Uh, Again, it is not my fault. The two movies I worked on in 2020 and 2021 have both come out within a week of each other. But it would be rude of me not to do specials on them, right? Right? You want to know how we made our films as well as other people's, right? (laughs) Well, of course you do. Therefore, we will facilitate that. Of course we will. It's the Filmmakers Podcast, uh, and this is what we do. We hopefully help you make your films. So last week, thank you so much for those who listened and those, more importantly, who watched The Stranger in Our Bed and gave us some lovely, lovely feedback. Thank you. That means the world to me. And last week's episode with Terry Dwyer and Dean Fisher, the producers of that movie, chat with me about how we made it. And if you haven't listened to that, do go and listen to it because it's really interesting about the state of the industry uh, and what's happened. So, yeah, thank you for the support this week. It's really cool. So this week, Wolves of War, it's out. It's released now on Sky Movies and Amazon. And this is a World War II movie. It's uh, produced by Lucinda Rhodes-Takra and Jeet Takra. It's shot by Stuart Nicholas White, edited by Neil Lenthal, um, written by uh, Ben Mole and Toby Kitten and Samuel Ellis. Uh, it's production designed by Jamie Foote with makeup designed by Brody Mayhew and costume by Robin Manton. And it stars uh, Rupert Graves, Ed Westwick, Anastasia Martin, Max Lamatt, Eva Magia, Sam Gitting, Jack Parr, Matt Willis, Jackson Booz, Jennifer Martin, Chris Rogers, and a whole host of amazing other people like Griffin Stevens, Leroy Kincaid, Ranga Sunsi, and Sophia Iredale. And I thought, well, uh, with a special, why don't I try and get on some of the cast for you? Ed Westwick was busy filming, so he couldn't join us, and Sam Gittings was also filming, so he couldn't join us. But you do get the brilliant Matt Willis, the amazing Anastasia Martin, the brilliantly funny and talented Rupert Graves, and uh, Jackson Booz, the brilliant brilliant actor that he is so you get that those fantastic guys and girls uh, and they chat to you about their experience of making the film and what it's like being an actor and gives you tips and tricks about working on set with directors I also have a lovely chat with Stuart White the DP of Walls of War about how we went about lighting it how we did it with natural light and how we used ambience and atmosphere to create the tone of the movie I also chat to composer Christopher Cook about his wonderful score and to editor Neil Lenthal about how we put the movie together in post and it's all nicely packaged for you to watch right now should you wish but anyway I hope you get a lot out of this I was really hoping to get Lucinda Rotakra but she is fighting fires on set of a movie right now and couldn't join me for any of the interviews because I only have one day free because I am at the moment uh, making a series and I am busy as well so everyone's really busy so sadly we couldn't get everyone together at the same time a film has been distributed by Signature in the UK, Signature Entertainment and Blue Fox in America. So before we get to our guests, I want to shout out Q Scripts. They are our sponsor. They're the script analysis company. They're fantastic. They work with emerging talent. So if you're aiming to break through in the industry right now, 
can get in touch with Q Scripts because they also work with established writers as well, trying to take their scripts to the next level. Uh, they do script editing, one-to-one -one Zoom feedback sessions, and you can get three months membership for free. And there'll probably be a little mini advert in the middle of this episode as well, but QScripts.com, link to that is in the show notes. Shout out to this week to loads of people really, because I haven't done too many of them, but again, all those people who've watched A Stranger in Our Bed and given us so much love, oh, thank you, it means a lot. Uh, other shouts go to Max Cavanham, Tyson G, Jed Bryan, uh, Craig Cool, Chris Hughes, Adam Murphy, Paul Doherty, Ben Treblecook, Faith Elizabeth, and Nick Stagliano. His film The Virtuoso is on Netflix now. He was on the podcast episode very recently, so do check that out, talking about directing. Anthony Hopkins, want to know what that's like? Check out that episode with Nick Stagliano and then do watch The Virtuoso, uh, which stars Anthony Hopkins. It is now available on Netflix and doing very, very well. So let's get to the episode. First of all, we have Stuart Nicholas White. Stu White, to me, I've known him for a long time. We go way back. Um, he was a photographer when I first met him, uh, doing some stills for a web series that I was in. Um, and we met that way. And then we started playing football together, became pals. And when I moved into directing, he had become a brilliant cinematographer. And lucky enough, he worked with me on a couple of projects that we made together, including a short of Boudicca. Ooh, we did a couple of TV pilots together as well. But he is the cinematographer of movies like Between Two Worlds, which I was also in as an actor back in the day. And Beautiful Devils, um, which he talks about in the episode. Rise of the Foot Soldier 3, The Conversation, and Leia, uh, which he also co-produced, which is out now. It's just recently come out on Amazon directed by Adam Ethan Crow, And also he helped me uh, do pickup shots on The Stranger in Our Bed as well. He's a brilliant guy, really lovely, very talented DOP cinematographer, Stuart Nicholas White. Sit back, relax and enjoy our chat. How are you, buddy? Good to see you. I'm all right. How are you? I think it's been a little, I can't remember the last time I did see you, actually. Oh my gosh, was it literally the last day on set? I think it might have been. I don't, because we haven't worked together since, but I don't yeah, think I've actually really. seen you since either. No, I know. Not having been involved in any of the post-production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of a bit crazy, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, what's your memories of doing Walls of War? Because I, I really like working with you on it. And I was just looking back through some of the, the mood sort of boards that I'd put together, you know, when I was pitching to direct the movie and the sort of tones we wanted to get. And then we discussed it for a while. But what's your sort of earliest memory, really, of me talking to you about going, oh, let's, did you want to do this film with me? So what I remember was at that time, I was actually about to do a little TV pilot for a production company who looked after all the Mackenzie Crook stuff, mm. um, having worked on Detectorists. Yeah. Um, and it was literally like a two or three day shoot up in Wales, where you are, <laughs> in North <laughs> Wales, just to do this little TV pilot thing. And I was really excited because I'd worked with these guys for a long time and it was a two or three day shoot. And I was like, oh my God, it's, you know, these big guys, Leopard, t Leopard Productions, Leopard TV and all this thing. And then, and then you, <laughs> then you called and said, I've got a feature. And it was exactly the right, the same time. <laughs> And I was like, oh man, it's like, it's, it's like, it's an, it's what was bizarre about it was I feel as a cinematographer, you learn more when you're kind of under the cosh, mm. when, when you have little, but expectations are high mm -hmm. and that's low budget feature films. So low budget feature films, like high schedule, low budget mm -hmm. is by far and away probably the most 
educational battleground for a DP on planet yep. Earth. Because yeah. if you have money, then you just say to the production, I need a grip and a dolly and a bit of this and a bit of that and a, and a, and a crane and a, and a van full outside of lights and things. And then they go, all right, cool. And then they do it. And then you get there and there's four people sat on a truck or they do nothing. You know, whereas when you go into low budget, high schedule feature filmmaking, there's no fat. <laughs> there's nothing left unturned. There's no bit of kit you don't use. There's, there's more often than not, never enough hours in the day to get what you want. Uh, it's a constant reshuffling of the Rubik's Cube to try and make things work <laughs> every day. I mean, like some days are gravy and, and that's what's nice, isn't it? Like I think some days are gravy and the old adage of fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah. Like I absolutely live by all this kind of stuff isn't here by accident. All well, the kit behind you. Yeah. Basically Stu's in, Stu's in, uh, maybe it's your office or your production space. In the garage, mate. In the garage. <laughs> Stu's got, if you don't know, he has his own van, his own kit, his, you know, his, his own company. So it's, it's pretty impressive what you do you know all that kit to constantly be up on top of is also you know difficult yeah this is where the magic happens mate yeah, in the garage right. yeah it's like money disappears it's magic mm. yeah. yeah yeah exactly but yeah you know on walls of war and getting it going what like because we talked about colors quite a lot we talked about the idea of what we wanted this film to look like and feel like yeah we did i, I remember your mood board which i remember being rather colorful mm. um and i actually came back to you and i said weirdly enough i kind of think it might be better to go the other way and mm. kind of drain the color out a little bit because i personally i'm 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 not a big fan of glamorizing war you know glamorizing violence and and it's easy to do that with crane shots and you know and, and music and score and all of a mm. sudden war is like this kind of romantic notion and it's kind of tricky as and when you choose to do that with war and when i read the script i didn't see much of that in it this was a low down and dirty you know this was like get in there with them, be with them while they dodge bullets, be with them while they're getting mucky and they're rolling on the floor. There wasn't like the big, you know, no spoilers. There wasn't like the big kind of grand ending like you used to get back in the day when the, U when the U US and Hollywood kept like having these bombastic ending to war films as if war just ended at the end of a movie. Yes. Yeah. So like, so when you sent me all those colors and, and all those references, like I was excited by the references compositionally and just to knit back a bit, once I'd read the script, I, I saw within the script, a really nice um, kind of, it, it felt like a, a documentary kind of film as in, it didn't keep disappearing into bombast and things. It was very much like this is this happens now, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and that's the journey. Mm -hmm. So let's be with them. Let's stay with them and let's stay on the shoulder and let's get in there with them. And there's gonna be these moments of pause and reflection where we grounded the camera and we used the slider and mm -hmm. we had these moments where we observed rather than witnessed by using handheld. Um, and those and those moments did pop in a little bit more than I actually anticipated. I thought it was going to be all on the shoulder and let's get busy. But actually having even a one to three meter slider was actually really great because it calmed it down. It told the audience that it's time to watch now rather than yes. feel it and witness it. Um, so they were great. And then we also discussed desaturating mm -hmm. the colors a little um, mm -hmm. to make it a little bit more like an easy reference. But it's not a lazy reference at all is Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, Saving Private Ryan is 
you know, it's probably top three, top four war movies of all time. And for that, mm. for that to be in there, you know, for a Spielberg movie to be talked about, like as a great war movie is kind of weird, but it is a great movie. It's stunning. Yeah. And the camera work was very immediate. Uh, he told his DP that he wanted it to feel like an army cameraman. He wanted it to feel like, yeah. like a squaddy with a camera, you know, mm. so don't be afraid to lose composition and don't be afraid to create that energy. But also, they use the bleach bypass process, which takes, mm. you know, the colors out of um, ne negative film. And, and we, we could do that with our grade. And I remember doing some tests with you and you were up, you were up for that. You saw the test and you were like, okay, I get it. So I was excited to just get in there and get started because it's once you get in and you've done the first day, your first day is like a taster, isn't it? It, it, it sets the tone a little bit and working with the actors, working with the locations, production design, all the crew. Yes. And we were in a church first day. We, it's, it's kind of the scene when they're, when uh, Matt Willis, uh, our sort of leader of the gang, explains to them what the story is. And Matt had literally just flown in almost like hours before and pretty impressively managed to, to you know, deliver what he did on that first day and there was a lot of exposition and and i remember being in that church going okay we, we've got a movie here because i think we gave ourselves the opportunity with that first day that we weren't out in the rain in the fields going whoa we don't know how it looks because we just we can't put many lights up we actually managed you know and you lit it beautifully in that church so therefore it set a tone it set a precedent even though not everyone could get in there because it was quite a small space it meant we got to play with the actors. I got to do that. I got to, you know, they got to find their characters. You got to play with the light. You got to work with your team on that first day. And everyone suddenly went, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. And I like that. And it's really important what you choose to shoot first. I know often we can't choose, but if you get a chance, choose something where you get to set the tone of the film, in my opinion. And I thought we did that on that first day. You know, it was... I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. And I'd actually forgotten about that because I've forgotten about the schedule because it's, you know, I've, I've slept since then and I'm, and I'm, and I'm not 22 <laughs> years old anymore. Exactly. I can barely remember why I came in my garage. <laughs> but, like, but, I, but I know exactly what you mean. And it's great for the actors. Like, like mm. you said, like we had a chance. It was a church, for God's sake. Luckily, the ideas that I had beforehand of how to light it and how to create a kind of mood and aesthetic in there worked really nicely. Backlighting, smoky interior, um, you know, like long lens wides from the back of the church rather mm -hmm. than up close and personal wides, like mm -hmm. get it far back, choose a long lens, create a tight rectangle for all the actors in and they literally filled the frame. So when that's up on the big screen, that's going to look great because all, all four of them are in that frame rather than mm. being up close on a wide angle and it's loads of church walls and bits and bobs. It's like long lens from the back, get everyone mm. in there, backlight it, bit of smoke, loads of atmosphere. And then the actors see that. And once they've seen that, they're like, oh, mm -hmm. all right. Oh, nice. yeah. We're not just some guy running around the forest with a camera. Yeah. Oh, this <laughs> yeah. looks nice. And they see the monitor. They see the other actors in their close-up or in their wide, whatever, in the monitor. And they go, oh, oh, okay, I'm going to up my game. Not that they were bringing it down, but oh, good, I'm in a good movie here, hopefully. It does make a difference. And actually engaging your crew as well, you know, in that first day, because I'm engaging the actors, making sure make a costume are all happy with all that kind of stuff. You're working with your crew, you know, to make sure they know what you're like you know what you want and if they're pushing themselves a little bit to get all the smoke to get all the lights in that you want on that first day people know what 
is expected moving forward. Yeah, I remember. I remember instantly getting a totally, totally brilliant vibe from um, the art team. You know, Jamie and Errol. Yeah. Um, I just totally loved their energy, like this old married couple. You know what I mean? <laughs> They've been been together forever, and we're just like, but like the speed that they got things done, and also the attention that they were making to like the aesthetic overall. Mm. I thought was was a real positive note on that first day because when you've got production design and art department like totally not just like getting a job done but like really being like interested looking at the monitor and and thinking things through and and you, you could see that their experience really came out as well you could tell that yeah. they've done a lot of the set building and the kind of like for me the the craft of doing things outside of the frame that makes the inside of the frame even better Mm. you know and i love production design that does that it's not all about what's inside the frame it's just the bits around it like using corex to block the light so we can cut holes in it and create shaft to light or mm -hmm. or these kind of things and just having their little workshop I, I remember walking into their workshop and just seeing all the farm machinery everywhere and saws and clangs and bongs and dangs and i was like oh this is great it's like it's a proper little tool time tim kind of workshop yeah, it makes a big difference. What do you want to happen when you set up any kind of film as a cinematographer? What's your process? So I think the process very probably changes with every film because of, you know, you know the, the, the saying is the visual language, right? The visual language, the visual language, the visual language. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows what the visual language absolutely means, but for me, it is, it is what you put inside the frame from start to finish, mm. you know, frame one to the last frame. And it's the aesthetic of that. And it's, how am I going to achieve that? And is it right for this project? You know, like if, if it's a genre film, if it's a horror film, if it's a war film, if it's a sci-fi film, then the aesthetic has to fit not only what the director wants and what the mm -hmm. production budget will allow, but also for the genre to like, for it to be uh, accepted by the audience for the audience to go along with it to get on the ride with you and go along with it like totally so i think the process kind of shifts with each one because if you're doing comedy or a kind of like a, a family drama it's about authenticity and naturalism mm -hmm. and it's about making it feel like it's so real it could be in the room next door to you right now at home it's like a kitchen scene it's a bedroom scene and all that and then make it beautiful uh, and then you do your little touches to like flash a little bit of light in the right place just so it kind of shines on the screen. With Wolves of War, I felt like it was, again, like authenticity needed to be there. Um, and I thought like the closer we could get to the characters in some moments was important, you know, get a nice 35, 50 mil lens on and get in there. Mm. Um, or even like a little bit wider. But I think, you know, those kind of like singles, when things start to go a bit hectic, get in there and, and be with them. Keep it on the shoulder, react. But the aesthetic wasn't one that we could affect with lighting for probably 90% of mm -hmm. the film. It's outside, yeah. It was, it was all outside. It was all, it was, the schedule was this, 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 this. It was never governed by time of day because you couldn't. It was never, go we, you know, we didn't do scenes at 8 a.m. because it was a early sunrise we did them because that's when the actors were here and that was, that was when the schedule told us to do it and things. <laughs> so like being under forest canopy is a little bit of a saving grace because if you try and backlight mostly then you have continuity and if you have to front light then try and get a bit of negative fill so it's not you know 
bright, dark, dark, bright, you know, just it's not just full on in the face. I think I would, what I would say to indie filmmakers, uh, especially people that are interested in the cinematographic department is look at light. Look, look at the light when you're outside, look at the light in your house and remember the moments that make you feel something. If the light is shining through your kitchen window at eight o'clock at night through the tree and that dappled gold light hits the wall and it just makes you stare at it, remember that and then recreate that when you can. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to pee and you're staring at that little blue patch of light where this moon's creeping in from somewhere and it catches your eye as you walk into the toilet and you're like, that's cool. You know, remember that, you know, and you take, you take these things with you. So whatever you attach to emotionally through lighting, remember it and take that with you because it's brilliant when you do that. And then the, 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 the buzz of setting up a shot, everyone's running around doing their job, hair, makeup, props, this, whatever, production, round, round, round. And then you're doing your thing and you, you put a bit of hole in a Corex and you shine a light through and you put a blue gel on it and you work with the gaffer and you set the monitor and you look at it and you get someone to stand in for the actor and you go over there and you go, right, so look at that, so look at that. And then like 15 minutes later, so everyone jumps on the monitor and they go, oh, whoa. Like that's a great moment because you've brought that emotion mm -hmm. on, on into, the, into the frame. And I think it, it is all, it's very much about lighting because we only see because there is light. Um, and I think light can control emotion. And if you're lucky enough to be able to control the light, if you've got if you've got the time and the space and the money and the, and and the actual the need to make that frame like that, then that's wonderful for a cinematographer because sometimes you literally have to be right. Okay, great, big soft source just outside the window. Bash that through. Great. Okay, let's have a little thing here. Okay, ready? Because you've got nine pages to do or something like that. I love that. I think that's such a, it's a beautiful thing to say, and it made my mind think of all those images I've seen. And same for me as a director. I, I we take from things that we've seen in our life, images, frames, how you feel a performance should be. All of that sort of encompasses into to when you start looking at the script and breaking it down and when you start working with the DP and then the art department and then when you get to set, you've got all these images in your mind of how you want it to look. And I love that. But how do you work with directors then? Obviously, me and you have a relationship years and years back. So we've worked together on lots of bits and pieces. So we have that relationship. We know how each other works and we can talk to each other very well on set. How do you generally approach directors who you don't know about what you want and what your vision would be? Uh, when maybe when you're pitching as well as on set? I think it's a very mixed bag. It's um, You do have to be open to changing your own desires in accordance with the strength of the director's visions. More often than not, you start the process as a facilitator for the director, totally as a facilitator. And then once you've done those meetings, once you've read the script, you know, you get the script, you read the script, you go, yeah, cool, I can see this, I can see this, I can see colors, I'm seeing shapes, I'm seeing movements, I'm seeing camera moves, I'm seeing um, moments where this is gonna jar, this is gonna be exciting, this is gonna be cool, this is gonna be calm and all that. And then you start to kind of like, the colors start to arrive and the lighting styles start to arrive. And then you, you, you get all that out with the director and then you sit there in horror as you realize the director wants something completely different. <laughs> and his face just kind of, or, the, or her face just kind of like starts looking around going, oh no, I've got to sit here for another 20 minutes. But, um, <laughs> but luckily it's not often like that. Once you've got that shared aesthetic, hmm. 
then that's when you get into the nitty gritty, which is the kit and the crew and the, and the, you know, what things cost then, uh, what's mm. the set like and what's the location like. And yep. cause you get there and you look at the location and you're like, oh, well, there goes our, you know, there goes our steady cam shot or, um, there goes our in intimate lighting because we're on the eighth floor <laughs> yeah, totally. and we can't light through the window. So <laughs> it, it, it constantly readjusts. It constantly shifts all the time. But once you're on set, that's when it totally changes. And the longer I'm in this game, the better I think I'm getting at it mm. because you yourself and the director, uh, you are the two people probably more than others that people look at each day on set to to see how things are going to to read the relative success of the shoot so far to read the relative success of the uh, aesthetic and the the production so far and i've realized that and sometimes you have to be a real friend to the director and sometimes you literally are the technician you are the you know you are the chef of the restaurant you know not the owner of the restaurant not the manager of the restaurant you're the chef get the food made mate quick 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 and so it just each time but i do i do i do enjoy personally being with a director that is open to suggestion open to collaboration and open to ideas when things might not be running as smoothly as we all thought it might be. Mm. Uh, and as I said, there's a number of reasons for that. And they're usually logistical. It's usually because the location is not quite right or the costume's something or the light is really doing our heads in because English weather's atrocious. Yeah, you know. Course. And all of a sudden you're on your back foot because you've got all these pages to shoot, but the weather has just been killing us. And so mm -hmm. you sometimes come up with something else. Like, actually, I've got a direct example of that. Like... And, and luckily the director was totally collaborative and he totally let me just change the whole plan because we we missed an entire scene the night before on a feature I shot earlier this year. Lovely film, lovely film to make. It was a great crew and a great um, experience and a nice script. But we'd had some issues and this one scene totally got missed the night before and the next day was a really heavy day. And I had lighting outside the house which was shining into the upstairs windows to create these beautiful kind of pockets of light on the ceiling in this stately home that was like dilapidated and a crime scene. So I very deliberately had the lights outside shining up to create these lights because we wanted to look like uh, work lights because there was scaffolding around the place. And so this scene that was supposed to be outside, I said to the director, look, you know, we've got those lights outside. The ground floor area right now looks beautiful. It just looks amazing. All this light that we've used upstairs is actually spilling into the ground floor area. And if we do this nice little kind of slow uh, tracking shot towards the two policemen as they're discussing a past crime, we could actually do this in one shot. Oh, nice. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was like, just trust me, let me go and set it up. So I, he was like, okay, you got like 15 minutes until we have to go and do something else. So I, I grabbed someone, I was like, come on, quick, 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 let's get the slider set up. And we did this long three meter slider shot. And we literally picked up the entire scene that was out, supposed to be outside yesterday. It was with three or four different shots. Mm -hmm. And we did it in a one <sighs> like on, on the day, on the next day. And we fitted in. And the director literally said, uh, mate, totally trust you. Just go and do it because I've got these fires to put out. Mm -hmm. So I ran off and, you know, not second uniting it, but I kind of like just set it up. Then he came down with the actors and we got it in two takes. And that whole scene probably took about 15, 20 minutes like to do a whole scene. And it was an important moment as well because one of the characters was given a lot of 
um, backstory about why she was a cop and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, a, it, was, it was an important thing. So like, that's great when you have that uh, trust with a director. Trust mm. is wonderful. And thinking outside the box as well there, you know, what you did was like, of course, and, and the director was brave as well because he could have gone, oh, in the edit, I might want to make this quicker. But you know when you're up against it on set, you need amazing collaborators around you because sometimes it, it it is difficult. No, it's not sometimes. It is difficult. And you need brilliant people around you to really help you and not put you down or say, oh, this isn't working. What do we do? It's like, okay, this isn't working. Here's what we do. Here's this for an idea would this work that's what you need it's so important to be like that on a film set and help everyone else because everyone else is struggling because it's really hard you know i remember a day on wolves that like you were talking there about the weather being an issue and instantly we all thought about the rain and the wind and all those elements but actually i do remember like, a big battle scene at the end of wolves uh, a big big fight scene which we did over four days i think or three and a half which was such a luxury we still need more time but anyway um i remember it was so sunny. It was just literally mm. absolutely boiling hot, which made it w weirdly harder because people are now knackered and sweltering in this heat. But you have to try and light that because the sun's literally above the top of their heads. Yeah. And diffuse and keep moving the diffuse as we went around. I remember that was really hard. So it's still that balance of going, okay, how do we make this work? Well, we've got no choice. We have to just shoot with what we've got. Smoke, get as much. But then the wind was That's coming up. And you know what I mean? So ugh, so many things. And then it doesn't match with the wide or the cloud. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you've got to try and, you know, then you're saying, oh, okay, we can add some in VFX. And it's, you know, it always adds up and it never really looks as good. I mean, I, I don't think you're ever going to meet a cinematographer that uh, won't pull a face like a bulldog licking piss off a nettle when someone says we'll fix it in post. Yeah, of it's just horrible. You want to get it in camera. You want to get it right. You you want to you want to be the guy that gives the editor the, the, the ability to literally drop it in and he's done and then it's the next one. But just to go back to what you're saying then about listening to people and offering options, I have to say that it is the sign of a good director, um, an experienced director, but also an open director who actually hears the options given, the, the solutions, the possible solutions, the other options. Because I, you know, I, I've directed bits and bops, but like not a feature film. And the balls of wool inside your head that all come loose all at the same time, you know, there's a lot. And to to and they and they all get tangled and there's so many things to think about. So when somebody comes in and goes, "I've got it," <laughs> you 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 have to be able to hear that. You know what I mean? You have to be able to um, actually hear it and think about it whilst you've got all these other balls of wool tangling themselves up. So that's a real skill. That's a, that's a real emotionally intelligent and intelligent full stop skill set. Yeah, you're right on that. Is to kind of skim the static away from the message. Yeah, and also you've got the whole vision in your head as a director. You have got your film, the film, everyone's film in your head of the beginning, middle, end of each character's arc and what this scene means to type to the next scene and how the transitions works, or you should have, or at least thought about it. So when someone does come up with an idea, you should be able to step out from your plan and go, okay, how does that fit within this journey? And you've got to do that in many seconds as well. It's literally like bam, 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 yeah. okay, does this, it's all encompassing because if you get 
it wrong. If you go, oh yeah, let's go with that. And then you go, oh my God, I've just made them all reset that up, but it doesn't work because they're going through that door and the lights are on or that person. There's so many things that change all the costume now. And it, uh, so you've really got to be on top of your game and that's planning and prep yeah. when you're coming onto a set for a DP and for a director is the prep has to be so much. You have to know that script inside that, you know exactly what your characters are doing at all times. So when you change it, because it will get changed, and when your expectations drop from this is the shots we want and we're going to come through the window and it's going to pan round as a beautiful one becomes now nah, it's just a wide that's all you've got and oh, you've got a couple of close-ups go because you've got four minutes <laughs> you have to think outside the box and you have to know your story so well and the same for the cinematographer i feel what's your lasting memories from shooting wolves of war now where it was it a year later maybe it's a year I don't it's know. not far off isn't it yeah, yeah. It's, um, oh no it is a year isn't it because it was june july it was july august there you go so i suppose like memories are of a happy shoot hmm you know, I thought everyone got on really well. Yeah. Not too much tension after the first few days. I think that I learned a lot about what to look out for before I say, yes, I can do that. Mm. Because there was a, there were a lot of moments where I was compromising to in a way where you don't want to. Mm. As in, as in you have to. But you, you try and do a compromise that is like 90% of what you wanted to do. You don't want to just go, okay, whatever, because I care. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. I care about how th this looks. And like, and, and as, and as much as sometimes you're just going to go, do you know what? Fuck this. Throw everything out the pram and, and, and run away. You, you just can't. You can't because, you know, it is your job. It's your responsibility. It's what you signed up for. And, but some, but sometimes when you, especially when you're doing high schedule, so, you know, crazy schedule lower budget productions you have to come up with a solution that is totally right there in front of you and it literally is like okay well how about we turn left because sometimes just turning left turning changes left, everything yeah. you yeah. know and, 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 it's, and it's like that and i do remember a lot of moments like that especially towards the end when we ended up shooting on two cameras mm -hmm. without two camera crews mm -hmm. you know yeah. and yeah. The, we, we had two cameras because one was for um main unit and then one was for gimbal and that was the idea and yes it was a quick turnaround yeah yeah and it was about the gimbal shots will be shot like this and mm -hmm. that and they were a separate entity so that's why they could be like that but then when you started to try and mix the two cameras together i was a bit dubious because for one we didn't have a dedicated camera operator or focus puller for b cam mm -hmm. it was it was it was either a or b it was never going to be both at the same time but all of a sudden it was like, well, we have to because... We had no choice. Yeah, we got we got no choice. We had half a day to get a big fight scene yeah. or a big battle yeah. scene in a garden or wherever it was in this big field. And yeah, Matt Welfare literally jumped on the other camera and went, okay, cool, I'll do it. But that yeah. means you, you lose a team member from the main team and then it pulls away. And it's very difficult to light and uh, compose two different shots when the main camera team or me is in the way. You know, there's... It's very difficult to do that. It's really hard for you yeah. to keep on top of that. Well, listen, Stu, honestly, it's, it was a joy to make this movie with you. I know we'll make more. And thank you for your work on it. Uh, I think everyone should praise Stu for how good he's made this movie look, especially under really difficult circumstances. But uh, yeah, and thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting with us. I'm very, very happy to have had my first filmmakers podcast with you. Woohoo! Final tip then for cinematographers starting out. What would you what would you recommend? I know you said about looking at the light. I like that. Anything else to finish us off? I think there's there's quite a few tips to be honest. And the first one is just shoot as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, be there for people. Say yes to things. 
say yes when someone says oh i've got no money but I, i'm going to blag a camera from here and some plastic lenses and, a, and and we can light it with fire just do it because then you've done the film where you light it with fire with plastic lenses and you know right. then you've done that and you've learned something so just keep shooting an important one can be um if you've got kit houses that aren't too far away from you go and say hello go and go and knock on the door phone them up go get in and say look i'm just starting out there's there's going to be times when i'm going to come to you with like 150 quid any chance i can borrow an old c300 and a lens because mm -hmm. it might be it might be a little bit over ambitious to think you're going to start shooting on big kit and big lenses straight away and and a lot of the time it's not that important it's it is important to learn and it's important to use the light and get to know camera sensors I mean, that's what I mean. God, you could do a whole podcast on this, mate, like things to look out for. Find your directors and make them feel good. Mm. That's what a cinematographer should do. Um, protect your director. Get the story that the director wants. Wave your brushes over it, you know. Paint, paint the picture with the directors. If you feel like you can offer something more, chuck it in the mix. Don't be offended if the director doesn't want it. Just crack on. There'll be another chance. And just, yeah, keep shooting. And, and work with the crew listen to the crew don't be afraid if other people have opinions and say oh it looks nice from over here you know or can we turn that light off mm -hmm. because it's you know oh that's that's the best one right just start with one light if you're if you're lighting artificially yeah start with one light and if it's good shoot it don't think you have to put 15 lights up and stuff like that you know i love that so true people think they should over oh i must look like uh you know i'm lighting the place you're right if one light is up and it's fine shoot it yeah yeah. Uh, totally, totally. Yeah. If it looks good with one light, just, just crack on because like they say, every frame is a painting mm -hmm. and uh, some of the masters of painting Caravaggio, Rembrandt, they had a single light source. That's all they had. They didn't have 15 lights and flags and kits and shit. They had, a, they had some sunlight coming through a ceiling or they had some sunlight bouncing off a board and, and that's it. Protect the director is a saying that I, I've, I heard a few years ago and I really get what that means now. Protect your director. Get, make sure your director gets the film that he, she or they want. Enjoy the ride as well. Like enjoy the process. Remember it. Remember all the different things that you do because there's going to be a time a bit further down the line when all of a sudden you're doing something and this little thing will pop up and you go, oh yeah, I've done that. And then that can speed up the process because if you're, if you're fast, the people will like you. Definitely. Yeah. So, but honestly, we could do a whole podcast on like yeah, what to true. look out for, man. It's like it's never ending. But no director or producer likes a, a slow DP. It just doesn't work on indie film. It just doesn't. I know it, we've got to make it look beautiful, but yeah, it doesn't. Beauty is in the eye beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder because yeah. it doesn't matter what you how beautiful it looks if you've not got finished film if it doesn't make sense you haven't got a film you've got shots you've got scenes that doesn't make a finished film so yeah it's so important to get on with it um which you were brilliant at and, and on that point mm -hmm. of being trying trying to be fast trying to kind of find something that you're happy with quickly backlight continuity is easy if you backlight mm -hmm. you know because you can shoot at any time of day or night across different days weeks months but if you always backlight your actors you'll be able to splice it together at any point in any time so, and also backlight is more flattering because you can just put a little uh, bounce board in front of them to bounce a little bit of light into the face and stuff. But if you've got sunlight in someone's face, then it's harder. But if the sun's behind, or even if just the key light is behind, mm. then you've got a little wrap around the body, lifting them from the background. You've got soft faces. You can add a little bounce from the front. So if, if in a rush, backlight and bounce. Beautiful. Uh, Stuart White, thank you so much. You're a superstar. Honestly, cheers, buddy. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. Ooh, what's that? It's music. 
in the middle of the podcast can only mean one thing. It's sponsorship time. We are delighted to be sponsored by Q Scripts. Uh, it's a script analysis service. Annual membership package costs only £60 a year. It includes monthly webinar and Q&A sessions with industry professionals, including commission writers, producers and directors. You get a discount on all services offered by Q Scripts and access to a 36-page quarterly industry magazine brimming with useful content, industry insights and interviews with writers, plus free entry into the monthly prize draw with the chance to win a free detailed script report. Check out qscripts.com. Link for ease. To make it easier for you so don't have to type it in is in the show notes. Just scroll down, click on it. There it is. qscripts.com. So that was the lovely uh, Stuart Nicholas White. Should we play the trailer now so you know a little bit more about the film? Okay, this is it's the end of World War II and a tough British officer has to lead uh, three other soldiers, Allied commandos, into enemy territory in Germany for one last mission to extract an American who's held hostage by the Nazis. We jump in four miles. We meet at the church. You need to jump now. Look after him. What do you mean? The man we're after is an American scientist. He's lived in Germany for the past 25 years. It's an our mission is to bring him home, where he'll get put to work winning this war and every war to come. Professor, you're coming with us. So what is it? The world's first atomic weapon. A bomb. This mission is about more than protecting innocent people. It's about protecting everyone. You can't let this happen. There are women and children there. We got work to do. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, link to that is in the show notes if you want to uh, watch it fully. But also, if you want to watch the movie, then <laughs> please do. So, like I say, this uh, movie stars some really amazing people. And I was very lucky enough that they would come on to this podcast and chat to you about uh, how they made it. We have the rather fantastic Anastasia Martin, who you might know from Heirs of the Night or very recently in From the Cold the TV series there. She plays Hannah in Rules of War. Also, we have Jackson Booze. You probably know from a fantastic episode of Black Mirror. He was also in Maleficent, uh, Catch-22, Cat and the Band. So hopefully you'll have seen him around. If not, do check him out. He's brilliant uh, in Wolves of War. He plays Professor Bob Connor. And then we have Matt Willis. Now, you'll probably know Matt Willis from Busted, of course, but he is an actor as well. And he's a fantastic actor. He's absolutely wonderful in Walls of War. People always sort of raise an eyebrow. They go, oh, come on, you've got a, a pop star in your movie. No, no. When people can deliver, they can really deliver. He's also been in other movies in the past, uh, including Allies. So he knows 
his shit. Uh, Matt Willis, top guy. He joins us as well as Rupert Graves. You will know Rupert Graves from Sherlock. Viva Vendetta, Death at a Funeral, Swimming with Men, Horrible Histories, Emma, Fast Girls. <laughs> List goes on here. Uh, Riviera recently on telly as well. Just great. What a lovely guy as well he is. So we all chatted, shot the breeze, had some fun about our experience on Wolves of War and acting in general. Hope you enjoy. There we go. Hi. Hey. Yeah, cool. I think it's actually a joy that we can do this. What I like is that when you're on a set or whatever and you'll become friends and then afterwards you see each other and it's you, you'd never lose that bond, right? It just doesn't go away forever, I think. That's true. In my long, long career, it's weird how you can do a film and then you meet up, you kind of, and you make friends and you meet up again and you haven't seen each other for 15 years, say, and you just pick up the same sort of, I mean, it's, immen- it's, it's immensely adrenalized. You work creatively, incredibly closely for incredibly long hours. You're often on location, so you're kind of staying in the same hotel. So become, it's a kind of hyper world filming, isn't it, a little bit? It's, not, it's kind of reality plus, plus, plus. And it kind of sinks the relationships, although you don't always keep them. It's, 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 you don't always keep them up, but they don't ever either. But even if you don't keep them up, they don't ever go away because they've kind of, I think the experience has been so intense. Mm. And it is, it is intense. Uh, how was it for you, Matt? You know, you're leading a film, I suppose, for the first time, right? Is that correct to me saying yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how was the experience for you of that and that whole bonding experience and what that felt like? To be honest, it, it, it got much better after day two because day one, I'm not going to lie, was probably my worst experience as an actor ever. Because I, I kind of, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, like the like the actor's worst nightmare, kind of, because um, I got the role quite late mm-hmm. and I was away. Yeah. And I kind of got sent the script as I was coming to set. Yeah. And I turned up on set. They were like, right, okay, you're going to film this today. Oh, it's a four fucking page monologue yep. explaining the mission. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> you know, so I'm desperately trying to fucking learn lines like before I walk on set, like in makeup. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, I was just so on the back foot and I was trying to relax and trying to ease into it. But, you know, you just feel pressure. Like I felt everything was coming into my head. Like, oh my God, I don't belong here. I don't, shouldn't be a lot. All that shit that comes in your head. Right. You know, and then, um, and once that was done and, and, and what was so great was everyone around me knowing that and going, dude, you're doing great. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We'll stop. We'll go. You know, like it was, it was absolutely fine because everyone knew what position we were in and kind of what that was and, and feeling that from everybody and actually genuinely believing it from them mm. was, um, was really fucking nice because it suddenly made me just relax and go, all oh, right, cool. We're in this together. It's all fine. Yeah. You know, and it was a really great moment. And then, um, and then so day two, I was like, right, great, brilliant. Let's go, you know, let's do it. You know, and like, um, you know, for us, like a lot of us stayed in this caravan park, yeah. Um, and I've got to say, it was my favorite experience ever filming anything ever was that caravan. Oh, really? I, I loved it. I loved everything about it because I used to go on caravan holidays when I was a kid and I just drove into there and I was like, oh my God, this is my childhood, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, you were on holiday with your mates, but you're doing this awesome job at the same time. And it was just like, and then we were having barbecues after filming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Watching the football. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, it was... We all jumping around when England scored. It was yeah. amazing. It was yeah. such a great time. You know, it was um, it was a really... And that, and that, that I think feeds into that whole bonding thing. It's like, mm. we really did bond because we were with each other after filming as well. And we're kind of, you know, and kind of enjoying these amazing moments together. You know, it was just, um, it was a really great, 
great experience. And I think that really helped all being together in that place. You were a rock star on that day because I remember you were you were doing a, a charity hike or something, but you were literally on top of mountains yeah. when you got the call to say, "Hey, can you come save us?" And and I knew you knew, and you were like, "Yeah, sure, fucking love to." Yeah. And and I knew that you were driving. You said, I've got to finish what I'm doing because that's, you know, part of what I was supposed to do. And I knew you were driving that at night and you went, I'll drive through the night. Certainly that's what I heard from Lucinda that you said to Lucinda, I'll drive through the night. No worries. I'll be there the next day. And there you were on set having to learn all this monologue and you nailed it. And it's, you know, you can see it in the trailer and you see it in the film. And it's really fascinating to look back now. And there's a picture I've got of the four of you, you, Ed, Jackson and Sam. And that first day in that church, and I remember looking at, and I took the photo because you were all really concentrating on your characters and just had this moment of absolute right. Here I am in this church and Stuart lit it so well. And, all the, you know, the cameras were there and it was this moment and you were all just sitting in your characters. And I just thought, fuck, yeah, we're going to have something here. And it was really, really nice. But yeah, you did so well. It was like, and in, in some ways, it was kind of quite um, so different to anything you normally do for me, because like you go into prep and you develop this thing and you get backstories and all that kind of stuff. This was just like, right, this is who I am. Yeah. Make a decision right now, this second, this is who he is. And you helped so much with that, Giles. And um, and I was like, right, okay, cool. Right, let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was like, boom. And then you got, got to stay with it. And it was, um, and it was a constant, you know, kind of great learning experience. It was just a really fun set. It was, it was. Jackson, what about you that first day then? Because obviously you were there and you were part of that and trying to find your place. I was actually about to say it was really interesting to say that because obviously in the film, these four guys who, have, who don't really know each other have just met and they're all really tired and they've been thrown into a, you know, a really intense situation, which is, which is what kind of what it felt like as an actor anyway. It's your first day on set. Yeah. You're a bit tired, especially Matt, who's traveled through the night to, to get there and you're meeting these characters the first time and and we actually met for the first time that day so it felt quite apt and it felt quite sort of i was i was quite nervous but also my character was quite nervous so that kind of helped <laughs> um and it just helped you yeah help me ease into it so to speak mm. but it was beautiful that first day we we're in that amazing little chapel in the corner of that field in the middle of nowhere and it felt really eerie and and it was quite cold and, and it was, um, it was, yeah, like you said, Stuart lit it so beautifully as well. And, um, yeah, it was such a good way to sort of get into it. And for the rest of the film, we're sort of running around or jumping over a bush or <laughs> like hiding from uh, like Nazis. And that was quite a good day because it was a really super still scene where we got to just look at each other and, and, and act and the rest of it were just sort of running around like crazy men really mm. how do you find that Anastasia when you're coming into a, a set that's kind of already established if you like and you're coming in and going I kind of playing catch up a little bit but how did you find that process and how do you find that process and what do you do to get yourself into those sort of character modes it was really nice actually because I think you quite quickly when you come into like a set that's already going mm -hmm. you can assess what's going on and how people are and on this set, everyone was lovely and amazing and very supportive. So I think it was very comfortable because instantly I felt that, which was lovely. But yeah, in terms of the character, I think it's always like getting into the character feels a bit for me, like just flying headfirst into whatever, because you know that like from the first take, it could be in the film. So you're like, mm -hmm. I better have just decided some things or at least you know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. at least have some kind of idea of who it is. And then once I've done the first take, I kind of have to sort of run with it. I mean, obviously, you know, depending on what it is, you can't, it's not like you're stuck with 
whatever. But yeah, it just feels like, I think usually I'm like, okay, whatever I've thought about, whatever I've planned, I'm just going to throw it away and just be in whatever the situation is. Cause that's what you can do anyway. Yeah. No, that's, and that's so true. I think back when I was doing that inside a plan, I'd go, okay, I'm going to come with this. And maybe that was my downfall. And what I felt was so fresh about you guys was that you, you clearly came with a plan. You clearly came with what you wanted to do. And then you were totally open to tweak it and play and go, okay, let's mold this. And I loved it. And you and Anastasia worked really well with Rupert as well. And I thought that was really lovely playing father and daughter. And you instantly just got on you instantly would you know i remember filming a little behind the scenes which i'll put up very soon of you guys just dancing and having fun and i've got quite a bit of that and how, how do you find that rupert to like you said about the bonds but also coming into a set again you were late joining this sort of established train that's really on its it's moving you know you've got to jump on you've got to be quick you've done it on a lot of movies as well how do you do it how do you cope well you know like, like anastasia said you come in with your ideas you, when i always try and get a character and you you know every set has its mood i guess and its personality in a, in a way i mean they're all similar you're doing a similar job in a similar way but the, you know the personalities are, are always different i still i mean i i still get nervous i still get anxious no matter what film or how big the part or whatever i often have a real troubled sleep the night before still mm. often i've been doing films for five years 40, 40 <laughs> years nearly 40 <laughs> jesus wow. but i still get it i still haven't got over that, I still get excitement and adrenaline and nervousness all together. But you know, you do. You kind of you kind of start with the work, don't you? You start with the work. You think, what's the what's the scene we're going to do? It is. I mean, you have to work out how to how to move together, how to act together. What you some actors give you stuff back. Some other actors uh, have got their performance in their head and they bring that and they kind of give a little pause before they speak so they can <laughs> get back into their own. Uh, ignore what you're doing. And, uh, and you, <laughs> And you've got to kind of, you know, it's not, that's not ideal, but that happens mm -hmm. and you've got to adapt to that. And, you know, each actor does it a little bit differently and you just, I mean, you try and be flexible and have, I think lightness is a really important quality because it helps you think on your feet. Mm. I think one of the problems performance wise, and it goes for, I think with football as well, is that you can, you know, you have to be in the moment and the more fleet of foot you are or mind you are, or spirit you are, the more able you are to deal with whatever uh, happens on screen or on the football pitch or whatever in the moment. Uh, and I think lightness, coming in with a sort of light attitude and, and, and not being too, you know, thinking too much about what you have to do, not trying to do what you've done in your bedroom. And you think, well, that looks good. And when I've kind of taped to myself, I'm going to re recreate that. Being flexible and light, I think, are the, are, the, are the things that I try and be, especially on the first day when you when you come in and you're trying to learn what the film is and what the set's like. Mm. I actually noticed when working with, working with you, Rupert, what I learned, I always try and take away from different people I work with. And there was a, there was a day where we were uh, chatting together and before the scene, you were just sort of like, almost we were, you were quite childlike and you were sort of like playing around in the grass and you're just being a bit silly. And that really sort of helped sort of, um, like break up the tension a little bit. And, and it, 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 I kind of get what you're saying when you say you kind of, be really like i noticed that from you and that's what I, what i try to carry on with myself i find it really helpful even when you're doing heavy stuff this you, you if you come and go oh, it's just you can you can you can actually kill it you uh, it's to do in life you want to try and create life and reaction and spontaneity and and things yeah mm -hmm. anastasia i noticed as well and with you and your performance is you could be the same as rupert there you'd be bouncing around you'd be just 
just playing in the moment. And as soon as the camera turned on you and we were like turning, you'd literally go into this dark soul of a character and, you know, there'd almost be tears coming out of your eyes type thing. And it was like, it was amazing to watch, you know, and as I've told you anyway on set, but your audition was just outstanding. And it, it was one of those that you went, oh, wow, okay, how's she going to be on set? Is it going to be the same? And you did. What do you, do you know what, it is that works for you, like as an actor on set? Is it being comfortable? Is it knowing that people are around? But how do you switch it like that? Because some people can't. It's very difficult. They have to stay in character and be like, no, no, I'm going to be very serious. And how do you approach that? I think, um, well, what one of my friends has once said to me before, who's also an actor, is that she thinks that part of the reason that I am an actor is because all my like feelings are like just all of the bad feelings, they're very close to the surface. So I keep them, <laughs> I, I keep them you know, they're, they're contained. But I think just as a person, I find it quite easy. I think, it, I, I don't know, like a sort of empathetic kind of thing. I think I find it quite easy. Like when someone's also telling me about something they're finding difficult, I can quickly be like, oh yeah, that's really a difficult thing. Like, I, I don't know. That's just, my mum's always said I'm like a grandma in that way that like, I can be like having fun. And then the minute it gets serious, I'm like, oh no, this is serious. So I think that's just a personality thing, but also probably like the work that I do beforehand thinking about like, oh, actually, you know, this is a really terrible situation that this poor woman is in, you know, running from Nazis and her dad's I can't say that. I can't spoil the thing, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll beep it out. So it'll be it'll be out. It's out by now. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> she's going through difficult things, yes. and I think working on that before and really thinking about actually the reality of that is also allows me, I think, to quite quickly be like, oh no, this is really quite bad for her that's interesting isn't it how um, and this happens in real life as well isn't it when there's something traumatic happening we might laugh about it or the other way around you know and i think that should be that freedom with actors yeah i think it really makes a difference what what is it you want from like directors matt what is it that works for you as an actor but also as a, a performer and everything else that you do what is it you like directors to give you direction <laughs> Uh, but bit of, uh, first and foremost, like um, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of actors I work with, kind of have something in their head, and they kind of they, you know, take things in and, and in one ear and out the other. I like to know everything. I'm like, I want to know every detail, you know, as as much as possible. And some of it I'll take on board. Some of it will be a bit too much. I can do a little bit too much work on some some things, and I try in one line to play someone's entire fucking history, mm. you know, with sometimes, but like, but like, so a little bit of, um, I like a director who, who knows, who knows exactly what they need and exactly what they want. And they can, they can give you that information, you know, because if it's too wishy-washy floating, wishy-washy, yeah. I'm like, no, what, what is that? What is this? What is this? What am I, what is my action here? What am I, what am I doing here? You know, like I need to, I like to know that because, um, because otherwise I try to play everything. Yes. And, um, you know, I need to have one specific boom because I can play that. I can't play all of that. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And there's two different things, isn't there? I like someone who's calm, but then I like someone who kicks ass when they need to as well, you know, which, um, which you did very well. You know, I think that's, um, that's really, um, that's really imperative, I think, you know, because we're all there to, to get it done and to get it done to the best we possibly can, you know? Yeah. I remember Rupert, you've said to me in the past that you, and again, feel like you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but you 
changed as an actor like from when you were first starting out or maybe in the last whatever 10 15 years you played it a certain way on set and then you started to go oh actually this might not be working for me i'm going to try this way do you still feel that way do you want to explain that a bit more for me i think i need it's it's it's, it's all about confidence really and for them to be relaxed yeah just relaxed i mean the thing is because I, I didn't train i kind of came up through butlins and circuses and um kind of comedy and just you know hopes and dreams and, <laughs> and, and uh, reading people's biographies and, and you know what i mean i didn't i didn't really train at all and i was in western supermare which didn't have a, a theater scene so i kind of was i felt really provincial and uneducated and and and, and slightly imposter syndrome and shy and nervous um and i suppose when when i got more established and more uh confident yeah so i was i, I mean I, again i can relate to what matt, matt was saying i kind of used to try and want to get everything know everything do everything actually you, you can have you can play with you can play with it like if you're playing something really evil and heavy sometimes it's lovely to play really light and, and sweet mm -hmm. and sweet and just let the actions you know you can do you can or not sometimes that doesn't work but you 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 should i mean it's just lovely to, to to start with a very broad palette you don't have to paint yourself into the corner but know and trust that something evolves yeah that's the interesting thing about filming because you don't normally get a chance to rehearse it mm -hmm. um and you don't really get to play the character apart from when you're on screen it's very hard to practice on your own it's not like music where you can practice scales mm -hmm. because it's so much to do with with what's going you're just you're reacting to your other uh to the other actors and your surroundings it's hard to know exactly what, what they're going to be so i think you know yeah so so i did i kind of i think my journey as actor has been found, finding flexibility joy fun um and yeah the word i always come back to is lightness a kind of like light, a light approach a very light approach but i think you can oddly and almost paradoxically kind of go deeper when when you do that yeah and it can show as well i'm always interested when you look at people in life when real life situations go on just how like even when you watch an accident people aren't always going oh my god oh my god they, people are kind of some people get really super calm in those things and some people kind of go, go yeah, nervously laughing and but you don't tend to see that and it's nice to bring those kind of human qualities to to to, to your work if you can yeah no, that's beautiful, Rupert. Very true. What, what's what's our sort of memories of shooting the film? Is there anything that stands out? Uh, shooting Wolves of War, Jackson. Anything that you go, oh, I loved that moment, or that was hard, or anything funny. <laughs> I always love the costume, like the like the pre-production of the film. I always really enjoy. So I always love like the costumes were amazing, darling. <laughs> You've done it again. <laughs> I feel fabulous. I really, I really enjoy that process of like, yeah, of and these and these costumes were amazing. To be fair, mm, they, they were, were yeah. proper old world world war Two um real real outfits so that was yeah. that was kind of fun robin manton did amazing at designing our costumes so good yeah and my my character goes through a bit of a journey and so he starts off a little bit of unsure of himself and the costume kind of reflects that and then he, he, i won't say what happens but you know as the film develops he he changes outfit and he, he really starts to feel himself mm. and you know he learns how to use a gun and and i really enjoyed that i'd never worked with um with pyrotechnics before so i really enjoyed that aspect of it and getting to sort of play around and 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 jump over things and fall over and trip and i really enjoyed that the only day that i didn't enjoy was i get quite bad hay fever and there was one particular day because where we were in um what was the airbase called again bent waters airbase in ipswich yeah, yeah. 
we're surrounded. It was actually really beautiful nature because no humans really go out that often. So you get to see all these deers running around. And But we were surrounded by all these fields. And there was one particular day where we were outside all day and my hay fever was just dreadful. And there was smoke in my face and mm-hmm. I had an umbrella above me and it, it felt very deaverish. But um had to protect myself no it was a boiling hot day i remember it was boiling hot and i was like jackson's really pulling the tears out today <laughs> but no and then you went no i've got really bad behavior and we're like yeah no we we understood and it was yeah, i do remember those scenes as well because the emotional ones like in the middle of the battle where we all just brought it down i remember matt just just being fabulous that day because you were trying to lead the the men and try and get them through in your moment of right i need to save the day and yeah i remember that pain you were going through Jackson going, oh shit, all right, okay, how can we help? Can we shoot him first? Can we get and move him out of shot so he's not in the wide so he can <laughs> I do, yeah. And that's the kind of thing you've got to think about as a filmmaker as well. It's sort of how do we look after the actors in a way, you know? Especially when you're yeah, when you're sort of you're right, because we have to be seen on screen to look a certain way. And if mm-hmm. you're like your eyes are like red and you're streaming, it's like how do you protect yourself from this? Yeah. 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 I appreciate I appreciate the help anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, of course. Uh, Anastasia, I suppose the same question for you. What from Wolves of War? What do you remember that was fun and I mean I uh, you mentioned it already. I mean I had the best time dancing around with Rupert. We were were dancing, joking, being really mean to each other. You know, it was great. No, only the joking way. No, I think for me, I mean, obviously, and everyone else was so lovely. I had a great time. Jackson, Matt, you, Giles, everyone. I think for me, it's always the people that makes the experience great. Of course, I love the acting otherwise. Um, I wouldn't do it, but yeah, I think that's what drew me to the industry in the first place. And I still think that that's what, um, like is always the thing that I take away. Although I do, I did also love, um, you know, some badass moments from my character. I always love doing that stuff that you don't get to do in real life. You know what I mean? Knock people out, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. no, that was really cool. And it's something I really wanted to push within the script is to, to make your character a bit more badass so it wasn't a damsel in distress and that's what i liked about you to play that role is because you've got that toughness as well as the vulnerability and and you've got someone you've got to believe someone can you know kick an ass's ass you know and that's important and, and you could and that is true those scenes were really fun to film weren't they when you we got you much more involved with the the lads as it were in a war film and it's like no actually there's a girl here as well and yeah she can hold a gun and she can hold her own and that, that was fun. How's the action for you, Matt, doing that? And I suppose the same question anyway, you can answer within that, but you got to do all the action stuff and the fighting and like, I loved shooting when you were, you know, all the stuff where you were in the middle of those battle scenes and you were just giving it a hundred percent crawling on your knees. You know what I mean? It was just fabulous for me because, and the same with all, all of you, that, that when people are putting that effort in and care into it, it makes my life as a director so much easier because someone's giving a shit and giving everything they can uh, how is it from your side matt that and doing the action and doing all that and i know you've done a war film before but you know here it's it, it's it's maybe a different beast i don't know yeah no it definitely was a different beast it was a lot more and it's um if i'm honest it's every little boy's dream you know and possibly many girls dreams is is to just to shoot a movie like that because you just you're running around with a gun you know, trying desperately not to go boom, boom, with your mouth. <laughs> there was a bit of that. Which is something which I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, stop going. Stop. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Stop making bang noises yeah, with bang your mouth, noise. Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
did. This morning was, was it bang, bang. Yeah. I had to cut them out in the edit because he obviously was using some of those shots. That, uh, yeah. I was really into it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I feel like I've been, um, you know, like since I was a kid, I was doing that stuff in my room. You know, like I was, I was so into that, that kind of play, you know, and kind of, um, I'm really the most, I run away from every confrontation in life. Like I'm really not that kind of thing. So to get to play that is so fun, you know, and to kind of really kind of go for it and go, this is what I'd be if I was a badass, right. you know, like, you know, it's really fun. And the stunt people were amazing and kind of working on those stunts, working on the fights was, if I'm honest, better than the experience of shooting them, because it was just like, it was like, oh, wow, this is like choreography and it's, and it's really and it's really fun and it's kind of, um, and, and you know, you're working with people who know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So you're like, you're not in any kind of danger and you just can really go for it. But, um, I loved it, man. I, I loved every moment of those, those action things. Like, um, there's one moment towards the end of the movie, which is just, just brilliant when I'm reaching for that flare. It's just like, mm -hmm. that whole thing was just like, yes, yes. you know, this is what I, this is what I've always wanted to do. <laughs> you know, so it was, um, it was really fun, man. I loved it all. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. What was your, what was your favorite part, Giles? I love working with actors. So for me, it's the best to work with people like you lot. It honestly is. I, I, I obviously I love working with my cinematographer and getting the look and the color, but if the acting is doesn't work, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, it's a story is key and getting the performances and getting that for me, that's, that's where I'm alive. And just, you know, if I'm whispering to you guys or just this note or that or pulling that, it's, it's amazing to see. Actors do it as well. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a really odd thing to give a note and then an actor do it. I, I don't know why it should be because that's your job, but it always has been um, that. And I love it. But yeah, it's such a joy. You know, if anyone gets a chance to direct, they really should do it. I think it makes you a better actor for one. It certainly did for me when I was mixing the two at the time. You think, oh, okay, that's what they wanted. That's what they meant. And directors should act as well. Or actors should act. It, it sh you should do both because then you understand what both of you go through and why you want a certain thing or et cetera. Do you think, Giles, that your, your approach um, with actors, you couldn't get that kind of approach if you weren't an actor? Uh, I think it, it's easier coming from the acting background to get that. Definitely, because I know what's going on in your heads and I know that you're all individuals and different. So you can't give the same direction to one person as you can to someone else. Everyone's different and you have to learn that really quickly. So, for instance, that chapel slash church day was like, OK, how do these people work? How can I give Ed different direction to Jackson or to you? You know, and, and that's that's fascinating, I think. And, and it's also you guys trusting the director as well. I think that's what's really important. If you don't trust the director, you'll start questioning it. And then certainly I did when I was acting. If I wasn't sure about the director, I start acting more. I start going, oh, well, I'm going to push it more because he's not giving me or he or she's not giving me a note. And I found that was, whereas if you trust the director to tell you if you're pushing too hard or you, then you can relax and do your job. I, I find that really interesting. I, I directed a, a play once. And one, just getting back to your point, you talking about acting and directing is, is that I just remember thinking, said, and getting to that point too, is, is how much less you actually have to do than you think you have to do sometimes as an actor. Mm. How, how you just, if you think it and do it, It'll come out if you if you're pushing it it's just you just don't need to you just don't need to and and an audience can sniff the the, the effort and it's kind of off-putting so it's really interesting but you, you it's, it's difficult to 
to trust that if you haven't directed a thing. I think that's one of the things that I learned when I directed. Mm, yeah, which is why I think it's really important that you know you give that a go at some point, even if it's a short or directing even a mate's uh, self tape or something. You know, you're still going, oh, push. You know, you suddenly go, oh, I can see what they're doing. They're pushing too hard there, or maybe I'm doing that. Everything's learning, and you just get better by doing. And the more you can be on set, the more you can film yourself with your iPhone in front of you as an actor is just just practicing. Watch yourself back is it's hard, but it's important. I think you get better and better. Do you find in in the edit process, Giles, that the sort of film changes quite a lot, or you know, you may have had the taking in, in your head which you really liked, and then you get to the edit and it, it's a completely different version? Does that does that change throughout? A hundred percent, yeah. Which is often people will say, as script advisors, so which take do you like the best? I'm like, well, it's hard to say right now, but let's go with two because that was the one where I got this performance. Even though I knew that in take three, the second half was better, so I know in the edit I'm going to take this bit and this bit. But it's true once you get to the edit, you take the bit that works best for the film. This is the thing with actors in it. Is that's why it's good for you to make a movie or see, because then you'll go in the edit and go, ah, I see now why you didn't use that take or this bit, because it's all about the film and the story and what drives that. It doesn't matter how good you look in a certain shot. It doesn't matter if it's the best performance. If it doesn't work continuity-wise, if it doesn't work for story, light was totally different, it won't match. You can't use it. Uh, so that's why it's great for actors to be, and as you said, Anastasia, from the off, first take, be the best you can be. Don't think, oh, don't worry, I'll be good by the third take. No, because I have to use the first take, because the third one was out of focus. That's just what happens. This is it. Or the rain came in or the sun suddenly lit up and you can't use it because it doesn't match it. All those type of things change. So yeah, that's why it's great to be on your game straight away. Finally, tiny bit of tips for an actor. I know it's a difficult one, this, but any other actors out there that you, you've you learned, just maybe it's a couple of lines or whatever that you think would help them as actors, what you've learned, if there's anything. Matt, we'll start with you. Oh God, um, I'm I'm still learning. You know, like um, I just love listening to what Rupert said, you know, because I'm... Um, uh, early on about acting because I'm, I have a tendency to really overthink everything and I'm doing a play right now and like the character I walked in with is nowhere near what I'm doing on stage every night now yeah. because I've just been yeah. allowed that freedom to flow with it you know and I when he when he said that really resonated with me because that's something which I can be really bad at is coming in with no this is what I do this is what I do you know when actually like at, it's nothing like that it's about being free it's about being open it's about taking on the other people and what they say and reacting and responding to that rather than just going in with your agenda. Really nice. Jackson? Kind of following on from Matt says, really, never, you, 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 you're constantly learning and you should never be set in your ways and constantly be open to, to listening to other people and their views and, and how they decide to do things. And I think that um, be mal malleable, is that the right word mm -hmm. to you? Yeah. Be able to be, and also just to listen and because for, you can, it's very easy to get stuck in your own head really, but put your energy on on the other actor or the scene you're in and, and let that dictate what you end up deciding to do really mm, nice Anastasia I think my thing that I think about a lot at the moment is sort of struggling with my ambition and I think that what is helpful for me is to keep coming back to the actual acting that I love because I actually love the actual acting it's just you know the not getting things that you want to get or, you know, not being seen for things or, or just all that kind of stuff that's more, I think, in the realm of like ambition and like what it looks like on paper or something like that, that um, is not helpful. I think it's only ever made me feel bad. So I just try and always focus back on the actual acting that I love and 
think about it kind of as my work and the thing that I like and not as like this thing that defines me as a person or something. Beautiful, beautifully well said. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for, for spending some time chatting about the film and yeah, I loved working with you all. I really do. I miss, I miss it. I'd love to just jump back like for an hour and just go, right, let's all be back on set again in that moment and just sit and just watch it and just take it all in even more would be, yeah, incredible. But alas, all we've got. We're all dead. We're all dead, so. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us, isn't it? Well, yeah. the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant generally, yeah, we're all oh, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone dies. Um, yeah, so there is that. <laughs> There is hope. There yeah, is exactly. hope. <laughs> Matt's character's like, I died, so I didn't read the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. So nice. Good to see you, everyone. Thanks. Lovely to see you all. Let's catch up soon. Yeah, thanks, Giles. Love you all. Thanks, guys. Nice one. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye, bye. Hi there. This is Toby, the editor of the Filmmakers Podcast. I'm just jumping in here to tell you that this is a two-parter. Giles and his Wolves of War team recorded so much interesting stuff that I don't want you guys to miss. So do come back for part two, which we will be releasing this Friday, where Giles chats with Wolves of War editor Neil Lenthal and composer Christopher Cook. Until then, have an amazing week. Bye.